I hope you're feeling compassionate this morning. And the reason that I say this is that I will freely confess that I'm grossly out of practice. The last time I put these robes on was four years ago. Now, part of the reason for that is that where we've been worshipping until fairly recently, um, Christchurch doesn't do robes. So when I was preaching, which was, oh, I don't know, not very often, I think I preached four or five times at the time we were there, um, it was a suit, you know, none of this. I put all this lot on this morning for warmth. Ooh, 30 years ago, just before, not that long before I was licensed, I used to wonder what all these robes were about. Then I took Evensong in February in a rather drafty church, and then I knew what the robes were about. I have to say this is a lot warmer than I'd expected, and I'm most impressed and relieved. I'm going to depart from my usual way of doing things, I suppose, because generally speaking... Because I think we do not give sufficient attention to the Old Testament, I prefer to preach on the Old Testament, leave the Gospel to other people. But this morning, I think I'm going to talk about the Gospel. Um, That was what seemed to come to mind as I was trying to write notes on the readings for today. And in particular, I want to think about the status of shepherds. Now, does anybody here know a shepherd? Personally. No. I didn't think so. Struck me when I was thinking about this a few days ago that we don't really have many shepherds in the most literal sense of the word. Now I don't mean pastors in church and so on. But shepherds are a very rare breed these days. Farmers, yes, we've got plenty of farmers, but shepherds, people who just men, mostly men, who just look after sheep. They're rare. I knew of one shepherd. He's, been, he's dead now, poor man, been dead some years. But he was the brother of Sue Hankins, whose name may ring a few bells. Jeff Hankins might, I don't know. I know our organist has met Jeff. Um, and he kept the sheep for Usk College. Now, I'm over 60 now, and he is the only shepherd I've ever come across. They're rare. Because these days, it seems to me, for the most part, the sheep are pushed out onto the hillside and left to get on with it, and the only times that we really take much notice of them are lambing, shearing, and dipping. And otherwise, they're just out there on the hillside. Years ago, I worked up on the heads of the Valley's estate, and our canteen looked out over the hillside, and you'd see the sheep wandering around. And once every couple of days, a tractor would turn up with an enormous bale of hay on the spike on the front. It would dump it into the, uh, into the feeder, and would be gone. And that was all the contact, it seemed, that the farmer had with those sheep out on that hillside. In Jesus' time, things were rather different. Shepherds spent their time living with the sheep. And the things were different in another, and to my mind, quite interesting way. These days, sheeps, sheep, sheeps indeed, sheep are driven with dogs. 
In Jesus' time, the shepherd and the sheep knew each other so well that the sheep would follow the shepherd. So if he wanted them to go to the pen, he would lead them to the pen and they would follow him into the pen. And that was because he lived with them. They knew him, they knew his voice. Jesus remarks on this several times in his various teachings. It's a very different model of caring for sheep. There's an interaction, there's an involvement. But it has some slightly more awkward implications. For example, if you're out there on the hillside with the sheep 24-7, you can't go to the synagogue. Oh dear, what a deadly crime. You're not in church on a Sunday morning. You're not in, perhaps more correctly, you're not in synagogue on a Friday night or a Saturday morning. Which is where you should be. And if you aren't, then you are inherently a bad person. You must be. How can you not be a bad person if you're not at synagogue on on the Sabbath? The fact that your job makes it impossible for you to be in the synagogue is neither here nor there. You're a bad person. Even if, and this is perhaps important in this context, even if you are one of the shepherds whose job it is to look after the sheep that are used for the sacrifices in the temple in Jerusalem, you're still a bad person. And if you think that's crazy, we'll join the club. But because they were bad people, and, you know, okay, I'm following a logic I don't like there, but because they were bad people, they were not allowed to give testimony in court. Being bad people, their testimony would obviously be lies, wouldn't it? It must be. Couldn't possibly be relied upon. So no shepherd could testify in a court of law. No shepherd could be a witness and tell about what he had seen. So why on earth does God send his angels to shepherds to tell them first of all people about the extraordinary thing that's happened in that stable down in the town? Why does God send to the shepherds? Why does God make shepherds his witnesses? They can't talk about it in court, in a court case. They can't talk about it anywhere and be believed. Because, well, you can't trust anything a shepherd says now, can you? So they've seen angels, oh yeah, like, I wonder what sort of weed they found out on the hillside. Wow, angels, yeah. What have they been smoking? Can I have some? I could do with it with this weather. they weren't going to be believed because they were shepherds. So why did God choose them? I wonder whether the reason that God chose the shepherds was that because they were and remained the outcasts The people that society wouldn't touch. 
You think of the people to whom Jesus was the minister 30 years later. They were the, quotes sinners, tax collectors, publicans, prostitutes. The people that the good and the, you know, the temple people would have nothing to do with because they were contaminated. They were sinners. People we should have nothing to do with. And I do wonder whether that is not precisely why God singled out the shepherds and said, you will be my witnesses. Not them. I'm not interested in them. Perhaps that's overstating it. But I am interested in them. Because society turns its back on them. They matter to me. These matter as well. But they matter almost more because nobody else will have anything to do with them. Maybe. Maybe. You see, in 40-something years that I've tried to be a follower of Jesus, I've found that he doesn't see things the way that we do. He doesn't see things the way that society sees them. He sees them in his own way. In his eyes, all people are important. All people matter. Even the ones that society at large doesn't want to have anything to do with. To Jesus... These are still important people. And there's quite a few of them out there. People who make us feel uncomfortable. And I confess that I'm little different to anybody else in that respect. I go to Cardiff, I go to Hereford, I go to various places one time or another. And you see them with their sleeping bags in shop doorways. The homeless. Many of them are not just homeless, they're addicts of one type or another. And they are society's outcasts. If you like, they're invisible people. My wife will tell you that if you're in a wheelchair, you're an invisible person. You can see her nodding at the back now. She will tell you that it's startling how invisible you can be. She can tell you of one occasion when she was riding her scooter in Merthyr. It was a wet day, so she was wearing a cycling cape. Big tent, bright orange, fluorescent. You would think that was fairly visible, wouldn't you? And a man walked straight over her. Literally. Because she was below his line of sight, and he just walked straight in. And went pace over apex over her. An invisible person. Somehow I think these people that are invisible to so many of us, me included, are not quite so invisible to God. The shepherds in Jesus' time were invisible people as far as society was concerned. They were people you didn't talk to. You didn't talk to tax collectors. You didn't talk to publicans. 
You didn't talk to prostitutes. You didn't, you know, the list goes on. You had nothing to do with them. Jesus, being who he was and is, didn't see it quite like that. These were the people who flocked to him. Who surrounded him. Who wanted to hear what he had to say. And there's an interesting thing as well. They wanted to hear what he had to say. The good people. The respectable people. The ones who wanted nothing to do with these people. And the ones who shunned Jesus. Because he associated with these people. They didn't want to hear what he had to say. Because he was saying things that were uncomfortable. Like, you're a sinner. You need to get yourself straightened out before God. He was saying things they didn't want to hear. And isn't it interesting how blind we can be to the things that we don't want to see and how deaf we can be to the things that we don't want to hear. And yes, I did say we. Because I'm no different. I may be standing six inches above contradiction. But it doesn't alter the fact that This makes no difference to who I am. The piece of paper that I have signed with a bishop's moniker on it saying you're licensed to to do this, that and other. That doesn't make any difference either. I'm just as much a sinner as the next person. If Father Stewart were here, I'm sure he would tell you that having his collar back to front doesn't make any difference where he's concerned either. He gets it wrong just the same as the rest of us. Which underlines the need for all of us To be aware. To be aware of the people that too easily become invisible. To be aware of the words of God that too easily fade into the background noise and are lost. We live in a society that seems to admire success that seems to admire fame and I say seems because it does seem to me that the admiration can be very short lived very transitory but it does also seem to me that God calls us to something a little more enduring and something which looks a bit further than just the surface God calls us to something that looks at the person and seeks to see them as God sees them. A sinner who could be saved by grace of God, who needs God, who needs all that God can give them. Sometimes that person is looking at us in the mirror. As we start this new year as of midnight tonight suppose I would throw that out as something to think about I'm not going to call it a challenge challenges aren't necessarily helpful but I will throw it out as something to think about in this next year of grace what am I going to see what am I going to hear am I going to open my eyes and see what is actually in front of me Am I going to open my ears and hear what is there actually to be heard? Or am I going to continue to wear the blinkers and the earplugs? And which of 
of those options do I actually believe that God would ask of me and prefer from me? In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.